Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Energy Central Power Perspectives podcast, where we bring into the podcast booth leading voices in the world of power and utilities to discuss the challenges, opportunities, and trends they see as transforming and modernizing our energy system and the utility industry of the future. And a quick thank you to West Monroe, sponsor of today's show. Now, let's talk energy. I'm Jason Price, Energy Central podcast host and director with West Monroe, coming to you from New York City. And with me, as always, from Orlando, Florida, is Energy Central producer and community manager, Matt Chester. Matt, this week, we have the privilege of being invited up to the C-suite of the utility industry. Specifically, we're going to be joined by the interim president and CEO of CPS Energy out of San Antonio, Texas. The grid across Texas has been at the center of national energy-related conversations since early 2021, when winter storm Uri highlighted some present risks of the grid related to generation capacity and necessary grid infrastructure. Ahead of the summer, the Texas grid is once again being watched very closely, and that's why leadership from people like today's guest is so important. Matt, can you summarize for our listeners what's going on in the Lone Star State that's holding everyone's attention? Sure thing, Jason. The grid in Texas is unique in that it's largely, though not completely, isolated from the rest of the national grid, being run by the Electric Reliability Council of Texas, or ERCOT. As you noted, the winter storm in February 2021 created lots of challenges across the Texas grid as an unexpected confluence of factors came in to bring various gas, wind, and other generation resources off the grid. And with the deregulated market in place, prices spiked to previously unheard of levels. The year and a half since has been filled with much research and analysis after the fact to identify what went wrong in that instance and ensure that the grid and resource reliability is prioritized moving forward across Texas. So that brings us to this summer, where forecasters expect record levels of heat to bring an unprecedented amount of load demand. The eyes of the utility sector, they're on Texas to see if they'll be able to reliably and affordably keep the lights on during this first great test since Yuri. Watching the various tools and strategies that have come into place and prioritized since then, see how they play out. Thanks for that, Matt. And yes, there were headaches in Texas after the winter storms, to say the least. But the best type of leadership comes from building back from such setbacks and ensuring they don't happen again. And as I mentioned, we're excited to have one such leader join the podcast today. Rudy Garza is the interim president and CEO of CPS Energy, being elevated to that role last November after previously serving as the chief customer and stakeholder engagement officer with CPS. Rudy and his team have all been diligent in instituting all necessary resources and programs to prepare for this upcoming summer, including aspects like new clean energy generation coming online emphasis on their energy efficiency and conservation programs, and more. We're eager to hear about these efforts from Rudy himself, so let's go ahead and bring him in. Rudy Garza, welcome to the Energy Central Power Perspectives podcast. Thank you, Jason, and thank you, Matt. I'm excited to be here with you today, and I'm excited to engage in the conversation ahead, so I appreciate you all having me today. Fantastic, and we're thrilled to have you here. So, Rudy, congratulations are in order, first for being named the interim president and CEO of CPS Energy. How exciting was it for you to take on this leadership role? Well, at the time that we transitioned 
into my term as interim president and CEO, it was probably one of the most difficult times for CPS Energy here in the San Antonio community. And so I had a lot of folks question whether I was making the right decision, but I can tell you without a doubt that with every challenge comes tremendous opportunity, you know, and stepping in to the CEO role at the time that I did was necessary to stabilize our organization, to try to rebuild some trust in the community that we had lost for all kinds of reasons. And not lost on me is the fact that for a community like San Antonio, that's 70% Latino, you know, being the first Latino president and CEO of CPS Energy, even on an interim basis, is a privilege and an honor. I couldn't be more proud to uh, be leading this fine organization. No doubt. I'm sure that it's been a bit nerve-wracking, especially in the results of what had happened previously. So let's talk about a little of the reliability and resiliency questions that power providers across Texas were facing. What were your top priorities that you brought with you as you accepted this position? Well, the good thing is the board and I have a, a really a really great communication you know, going on right now. And, and as I entered in, we agreed on what those priorities should be. Number one, we were in the midst of a rate case at the city of San Antonio that was not going so well. So I had to really reset that process and get the rate case on the right track. And I can tell you that uh, we were successful in our request at the city of San Antonio, uh, which immediately created some financial stability for CPS Energy. We got that done. We had to get through the winter. And now, you know, we're in the midst of, a you know, one of the hottest summers on record. We had to do that with our power plants operating uh, as expected. And so we made it through the winter season. There were really a couple of really difficult cold snaps without issue. And the light stayed on. And that was uh, really important for our community that had, you know, suffered through the results of Winter Storm Uri. And so far, we're performing pretty well uh, this summer. Uh, and we've had no issues to speak of, you know, through some really, really hot days. We had to stop the uh, exodus of talent out of the organization and really focus in on employee morale. And so we have done that. You know, we've restructured and, and really shored up our leadership team. Uh, and I'm proud of the work that my leadership team and I are doing to try to lead this organization forward. And we, we just had to start building a dialogue with the community, you know, to take feedback and implement the things that we were hearing from the community that they wanted us to focus on. And so when you look really at those four pillars, uh, I think that, uh, you know, the board uh, and I feel like we've, uh, we've done what has been expected of us being a, a publicly owned utility. Yeah, absolutely. And all those factors certainly help. Human factors is important. It's been a big uh, skill set dearth in the utility industry. And having that rate case behind you is, certainly gives you both the legal and financial abilities to make uh, important decisions. So let's talk about that. What are some of the major projects and implementations you've been able to help shepherd onto the CPS energy grid that should prepare you for the various challenges that you expect to face in the coming years? Well, there's three or four things that I would probably point to as evidence of what we're focused on. Number one, you know, in the past, the ERCOT market and the Texas grid in general have really focused in on the extremes of the summer, you know, peak season. And what Winter Storm Uri taught us was that our infrastructure has to be resilient for all types of extreme weather, both summer and winter. And so at CPS Energy, a lot of the grid transformation investments that we're making are really intended to manifest our grid into a, a much smarter grid. We're installing a lot of reclosures right now that will allow us to operate the grid with additional flexibility. 
We're looking at, you know, the times of the year that we are weatherizing our power plants uh, so that they're available through the extremes of both the summer and the winter, you know, uh, extreme weather season. And so our plants now and our plan uh, to operate them are, is much more resilient maybe than it's ever been over the years. And we've got a high growth community in San Antonio. So all of that has to be done in meeting the needs of a growing community. So we're in the process of trying to move away from our coal operation, which means that we're going to have to invest in new technology uh, in the coming years to be ready 10 years down the road for the growth that we know is coming now and into the future. And so when you just look at the blocking and tackling of running a, a reliable utility company, the work that we're doing today is really intended to make us much more resilient in terms of the climate than we've ever been in, in our history. Rudy, I'd like to hear a little bit more about the cleaning of the grid to, to some extent. I mean, we all know that Texas is a national leader when it comes to wind energy, but it sounds like you're uh, looking more broadly than that. So from your perspective, what's the ideal energy mix you would like to see bring to your customers? And can that maximize affordability, reliability, and carbon reduction? Well, when you look at our history, you know, back in the 80s, 70s, 80s, we were nothing but natural gas in terms of how we generate power. And, you know, what we found was that being a diversified, you know, utility in terms of our generation portfolio is at a, absolutely key to ensuring affordability for our customers. So we diversified in terms of, you know, and diversification over the years for our industry has typically meant fuel diversification. So, you know, we, we're part owners in the nuclear project over at South Texas Nuclear Project. You know, we've got coal, we've got gas. We're number two in wind in the state of Texas right now. And we're number one in solar uh, and climbing. You know, number five in the country in terms of solar capacity. And we, I just signed a deal with Con Ed to bring us another 300 megawatts. And I'm, I'm about to sign another 300 megawatt deal, which are two of the largest single projects in the state of Texas history. So, you know, we're going to continue to be a diversified utility. But if you take coal out of the mix, then that diversity is going to look different. We've always been a leader in energy efficiency and conservation through our Save for Tomorrow energy efficiency program. We just got approval from our city council to re-up that program for a five-year period. We're going to tweak it and make some changes to reflect what we believe the future will be. But we're also looking at other technologies. We're looking at battery storage, uh, and we're going to make a sizable investment in battery storage capacity. I don't know that we need more wind. I would take more coastal wind because it blows during the day if I could get it. But we're really talking about solar. And then we're looking at some other technologies, some pumped hydro and geothermal technologies that we believe have a lot of opportunity here in San Antonio that we just have to get in the right price point to keep them affordable. So for us, we'll continue to be a diversified utility, but that diversification will come in technology, you know, rather than fuel mix. Yeah, understood. You know, in leading up to this program, we talked briefly about some of the other efforts that you're working on. So I'd like to you to talk about that a bit further. And, you know, coincidentally, the, the clean energy movement that you're doing is also coincides with Energy Central's Energy Efficiency Month, which is in July. So our listeners will be hearing this in real time. So I want you to go into and give us an update on the Sustainable Tomorrow Energy Program Plan, which is what you described. It's an energy efficiency implementation program for CPS energy customers. How have you tweaked and upgraded this program? And share with us, how is the program preparing you for the expected record summer heat? Well, there's two ways you can ensure affordability. Number one, you look at your rate structure and making sure that your rate structure 
is really intended to look at equity and, and utility burden in a different way. We just kind of started talking about utility burden in our industry, but there's some customers in San Antonio at the residential level that you know have a 20, 30% utility burden factor that you have to think about. You know, most most people they spend three to six percent of their discretionary income on energy costs. You know, when you have low-income customers that are spending 20, 30%. You really got to look at that from an equity lens and say, what can we do to offload some of that burden? And energy efficiency and conservation is a great way to take housing stock and make it more efficient. You know, as we look ahead of, of the, the next iteration of that program, you know, we will continue to do weatherization. I think for, you know, high utility burden customers, we will probably do more. Typically, we would spend $4,500 on a house to do the simple weatherization, you know, work of insulation and you know, a window uh, tightening up the airflow in and out of the home because it's inefficient. We may spend upwards of seven, eight thousand dollars to, you know, maybe upgrade ductwork, maybe install an efficient air conditioning unit or something in a window to allow for customers to find additional savings. So weatherization will always continue to be part of this program. We will. We also have residential and commercial energy efficiency programs where customers have to make their own investment. And we will give a rebate to change out, you know, old appliances to more efficient appliances to upgrade your air conditioning systems and things of that nature. But we're also looking at the future in terms of both how we incense solar. In San Antonio, our current solar incentive only paid maybe 8% of the entire solar system cost. And that tells us that the market is pretty mature these days. So we're looking to, to create incentives that really allow you know, nonprofits, small businesses, lower income customers who maybe can't afford to finance a $20,000 system on their own roof, you know, we'll find a way to allow them to buy a panel or two and still participate in the clean energy transition. And we can incentivize that for the, you know, for certain types of customers. But we also need to start thinking about how are we going to incentivize storage, you know, uh, units for, for homes, the wall packs? How are we going to incentivize electric vehicle charging infrastructure so that people who are looking to buy an electric vehicle can install the technology they need at their homes to be able to charge uh, overnight? How do we create the rate structures to incentivize them to do those things off peak? So as we look to the future of our energy efficiency and conservation program, that's really the type of pivot that we're looking to make. And mind you, we're also going to really double down on demand response. San Antonio has about 250 to 270 megawatts of demand response capacity when the entirety of the rest of the ERCOT market only has about 350 megawatts. So I'm really proud of the type of program we've been able to build on the demand response side because there's a financial, you know, implication that benefits our customers, you know, by maximizing the amount of DR that we can call on, you know, here in San Antonio. So we'll continue to maximize that program and, and work with our partners across the community to lower our demand during those really high summer days where that keeps us from having to go out and buy additional generation. Sure. All right. So those are some ideas of the future. Well, now and into the future, I would like to go into the past for a moment. And Rudy, I've asked this question from a number of energy leaders, uh, both in Texas and outside of Texas. And the question is, as you probably can guess, is basically, you know, knowing what we know now, Storm Uri, what did we learn and what could we have done differently given what we know? Well, First off, we participated in so many studies on, you know, what happened and 
what opportunities does ERCOT have? What opportunities do we have as an operator here in San Antonio to do better? And I do really do feel like, you know, we've taken what we learned through those processes and, and actually done something with them. You know, what I would tell you is, again, we've always kind of focused on the summer peak. And now I think as a market, we're focused on extreme weather instead of just, you know, a seasonal type of dynamic. And I think the reality that those extreme weather events aren't necessarily black swan events anymore, unlikely to happen, you know, they've happened now. And so you have to assume that they're going to happen again, and you have to build your systems resilient enough to handle those type of ex extreme temperatures. Winter Storm Uri, the entire state of Texas was well under freezing temperatures for multiple days. That hasn't happened since 1896 by the Farmer's Almanac historical perspective. So, you know, even though it was a once in a generation event, we have to assume that we're going to be in that situation again, you know, at any point in the future. So how we manage the grid, you know, when we're doing maintenance on power plants to ensure that we're not 20,000 megawatts short like we were during Winter Storm Uri, it's changed the way that we manage our, our infrastructure. It's also created some challenges when you don't have the entirety of the winter season to maintain power plants. You're squeezing all of that work into September, October, November, you know, March, April, May. And so now you're competing for contracting resources. You're competing for supply chain materials that you're going to need. And it just makes it more difficult to get those projects done in a timely manner. But we're dealing with that. And that's one thing that we've learned. I think another thing that we've learned is that when the ERCOT market does find itself short, when supply is less than demand, the only way you, you protect the system is to manage the load. And so that, you know, that's what prompts controlled outages. Well, we have completely reprogrammed our controlled outage system so that when ERCOT does require us to reduce the amount of load on the system, we can handle an event even larger than Winter Storm Uri today. And when Winter Storm Uri was five times larger than anything we'd ever seen before, and our systems just weren't capable of handling it. So how we, we manage those controlled outages has improved. And just overall, our approach to communication had to get better. Telling customers what we know, telling them what they can do to protect themselves and what's happening. We've learned that, that our community expects us to be much more proactive and work together with our city and our county and emergency officials across the community. We've got to do a better job in the future of communicating it during these times of emergency. And, and I think we've learned a lot in that regard too. So those are really the, the few ways I think we've, we've really come a long way from where we were 18 months ago. Sure. What do you think about like the, the policy and regulation side of it though? You, you talked a lot about the engineering side and, you know, the position of you as a power provider, but what role does the, what is this policy and regulators have to say, play in this? Well, in the aircon market, there's always been a commitment to an energy-only market, meaning that price signals will determine how companies invest in uh, generation assets. And what we found was, you know, while that certainly is great at keeping prices in the market low, it doesn't necessarily ensure that you have reliability, you know, during those extreme temperatures. And so the Texas legislature is going to have to continue taking this, these issues on. You know, how do you ensure that you're focused on both affordability and reliability in a market that largely hasn't been focused on reliability? We've been pretty reliable, but it's because, you know, we've kind of played the law of averages and now 
we've seen that 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 doesn't work when things get extremely hot or extremely cold. I think by and large, we do a pretty good job during the summer months, but that winter peak was something we'd never seen before. So they're making tweaks to the market. They've lowered you know, the system-wide offer cap from 9,000 to 5,000. I think that's a step in the right direction. They're paying for plants to run just to be available should we need them. You know, that's a, a divergence that looks a lot like a capacity market. Even if you don't call it a capacity market, you're paying for reliability that customers ultimately have to pay for. And so I think the legislature is going to have to decide what major kind of modifications to the market need to be made to ensure that we have power, to ensure that we have gas. Gas supply was a huge issue during winter storm Erie. And I and I don't believe that that issue has been addressed by the state of Texas. We certainly got impacted, as did every other gas utility and power generator that runs natural gas units. Everybody saw the price increases. We're, we continue to litigate those issues in state court. So I think those type of market reforms haven't completely come together that ensure that that we have all of the, the value chain that it takes to ensure reliability all the way down to the gas supply and protects our customers. Our customers are going to be paying for what happened with Winter Storm, Storm Erie, you know, for decades ahead. And the state legislature has a responsibility, as does ERCOT and the Public Utility Commission, to ensure that we don't allow that to happen again. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think every state is contending with trying to figure out the value of resiliency and the value of reliability. And everyone, of course, has their, their own price point of that. Well, that sounds fantastic, Rudy. Before we give you the last word, uh, we want to shift gears for a moment now. We want to learn a little bit more about Rudy Garza, the person, not Rudy Garza, the CEO of CPS Energy. So we have now the lightning round where we ask you a series of questions and you limit your response to one word or phrase. So, Rudy, are you ready? I'm ready. All right. What's on your ideal plate of barbecue? Brisket and sausage, no doubt. That is the winner. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Well, for uh, those husbands out there who struggle with this, much like I do myself, uh, mind reading would be my top uh, superpower. Wow, I know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> Best piece of advice you ever got? Leading with humility. It's not about me. That's the best piece of advice I've ever gotten as a leader. What motivates you during particularly long or stressful work days? My team motivates me. I'm so proud of the work that we've done together. And what are you most optimistic about? I'm a glasses half full kind of guy. The future of, of our industry, we're seeing change like we've never seen before in my, in my 30 years in this industry. And I'm just really excited about what the future holds for the electric and gas utility industry. I, I think the future is really exciting and, and a great place to be right now. Fantastic. Flawless, flawless responses, uh, which earns you the right to the final word on the podcast. And knowing that your peers and partners across the utility sector are listening, what is the final takeaway message that you hope they will take away from today's conversation? Well, my hope is that our industry will lean into the changes that are coming. We can't control customer expectations like we maybe have in the past. Customers are expecting more control, more influence. You know, they want us to listen and give them service in the manner that they desire. They want to have solar and they want to have batteries and they want to buy EVs and they want to do all the, the really cool things technologically that are available to them today and getting cheaper by the day. And so as an industry, we have to figure out how to stay relevant. And to do that, we got to listen. 
and we got to act and we we've got you know to to really lean in to the transformation that's happening and i think the the quicker we get there i think the better off our industry will be in maintaining relevance during a time where customers are as independent as they've ever been so that's what i hope you take away i think cps energy is our mentality is that we're going to lean in and we're going to meet our customers where they are and i think as an industry we all got to figure out how to do that together well, you certainly sound like a great asset and a great fit. Hit the ground running at CPS since you've taken over. So uh, kudos to you and the CPS family. I know that our community will uh, feel uh, enthralled at this conversation, and I'm sure they'll have lots of questions and comments, Rudy. So, you know, be on the lookout. Until then, though, we want to thank you so much for sharing your insights with us today on Power Perspectives. Uh, Jason, Matt, thank you for your time today. I really appreciate being on. You can always reach Rudy Garza through the Energy Central platform where he welcomes your questions and comments. And we also want to give a quick shout out of thanks to the podcast sponsors who made today's episode possible. Thanks to West Monroe. West Monroe works with the nation's largest electric, gas, and water utilities in their telecommunication, grid modernization, and digital and workforce transformations. West Monroe brings a multidisciplinary team that blends utility, operations, and technology expertise to address modernizing aging infrastructure, advisory on transportation electrification, ADMS deployments, data and analytics, and cybersecurity. And once again, I'm your host, Jason Price. Plug in and stay fully charged in the discussion by hopping into the community at energycentral.com, and we'll see you next time at the Energy Central Power Perspectives Podcast.